welcome to Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Podcast. Our podcast, I'm your host, Gary Howard, and this is a podcast where I, as an OTR truck driver for Prima Express Style Joliet, talk about the truck stops I stop at during my 10-hour breaks, and also a murder that I find around it. So, if you don't want to hear about murders, just like truck stops, well, this is not the podcast for you, because I will be talking about murders. Even though my truck, I got somebody to tell me I should give a little warning at the beginning that there's going to be murder, I guess. I don't know. But yes, truck stop murder. I talk about murder on this. And sometimes I might be talking about gruesome things. So, if this is not for you, thank you for trying me out. But if this is for you, well, thank you for listening. And as always... If you if you not have a, well I don't have too many reviews but it would be I would be so much appreciative if you went to Apple iTunes and give me a five star review if you like what you're listening to and rate and review it helps out something with the algorithm that they do to help build podcasts that is what they want they want to see positive reviews five stars it doesn't matter what you put anything but anyhow like I said. I am an OTR truck driver for Prima Express out of Joliet, Illinois. I travel all 48 states. And today the road brings us to Russellville, Arkansas. There's a pilot right there on exit 84 on I-40. It's right northwest of Little Rock, Arkansas. The truck stop itself has like a 2.2 rating. Not too, I guess, not too, I, ugh, well, just, I've been the better. But it's a pilot, and as of right now, to, uh, I'm recording this at 8.30 or 9.38. Right now, it was 8.38 at the time of the pilot, at their time, central time. I'm actually in Eastern time. So it's 9.38 my time, so it's 8.38 their time right now. And there's, as of two hours ago, there's lots of spots. And diesel right now was reported 10 hours ago was $3.09, $3.09. And six hours ago, the def was $3.09. This says it has 130 parking spots, five showers, of course, overnight Wi Fi, scales, ATM. And there you go. Inside of it has a subway and a Cinnabon if you want that. So let's talk about food. So if you're traveling through this area, May it be a truck or a car, then you want to stop and get hungry. You get hungry. There's a pilot truck stop there where the food, the basic food, you get a truck stop, you know, hot dogs and preheated sandwiches. There's a Wendy's within 412 feet, probably within a store, a McDonald's, a Waffle House, Hardee's, a Chick fil A. There's a Shell gas station right there. A Denny's is. We, all these are within a quarter of a mile. Now, if you want to venture a half a mile, you get to a Sonic. But I try to stick within about a quarter mile of the place I'm talking about. But yeah, you have a variety of places to eat. So, let's see what people think about this place. Like I said, it was a 2.2 review. And Toady just wants to know, let's everybody, it's a five-star review, but let, wants to let everybody know that the background was almost empty. So that's good. I like when truck drivers do that. So you look and you have people actually telling you, hey, 
It's just some people just drive them, drive out. They don't see no parking spots, so they leave. This person is actually telling you where the empty spots are. An anonymous user says the parking lot and outer park property line could use some major trash pickup. Probably eight pickup truck loads. Millions of dollars in a truck stop makes and they won't do any better than this. Okay, an anonymous user, anonymous user. Worst experience I've ever had at any subway. Wanted to eat something, but the lady was not in a mood to sell anything to anyone. Whatever, I, w I was asking, she did not have it. And I'm reading this as they, I know I'm not the best reader or writer or whatnot, but I'm going to read this as they put it down. And the way she was talking to me was too rude. I don't know my, I don't, I don't know why bad experience. Well, he didn't have to stick around to eat. Like I told you, I gave you the options of food. You had other places to go. Another anonymous user, avoid this place. I see puzzle kind of likes this place. Gives it a three star. Nothing wrong with this place. Okay, another three star review. Small lot, dirty bathrooms, cold showers on the bright side. It sounds like a one star review, but anyhow, let's see why she he at least gave it a three star. The lady at the front desk was a real sweetheart and at least gave me my shower credit back after taking an ice bath. I was very grateful. He goes on and says more. Let's see. Let's read it all. Uh, by the way, all this information is from Trucker's Bat Path. Uh, my, it's not opening it up. So, another anonymous user: filthy restrooms, subpar. I'm gonna go just two more reviews, then I'm gonna go into the story. Two-star review from Hanlon Hero: Fuel Island is too close to the entrance. Tight entry, large size parking, shower number two, medium size bathrooms, towels are given, multiple hooks, medium countertop, sink is a little quirky, shower works fine. Now he has pictures of it, but I don't see nothing wrong with the bathroom. This is typical truck stop. They're probably just trying to utilize the room they have. Of course, a little bit small. You know, I've never had no problems. Maybe this guy's obese truck driver and just can't squeeze in there now on this one I'm, I'm thinking about maybe putting this picture on the on my social media just to show what some of these truck drivers out here just some nasty fuckers there is what it is is trucker trace gave it a one-star review it said there's no words I'm really lost for words and what it, a picture is is a, a garbage can filled with toilet paper but what it looks like is someone leaned against the corner of the wall and took a shit. There's like shit sprayed on the wall, down the corner, and the, it looks... I might put... I might. I don't know. I might. I don't know if anybody wants to see shit sprayed on the wall. But this is what some of these trucks... I've been to truck stops like this where it looks like they weren't even trying to get into the toilet bowl. They just fucking sprayed that shit. <laughs> but there you go. That is the, the pilot truck stop. Now on to the case I was at. Now right now, like I said, this was Russellville, Arkansas. I'm currently in Indiana right now. Let's see where I'm on on the tow road on I-80, right? Not too far from Fort Wayne. Matter of fact, probably Laporte. 
closer. I didn't look to see where I was at when I started recording, but I think I'm closer to Laporte between Laporte and Fort Wayne. I know Fort Wayne is not actually on 80, but anyhow, here we go. The story of Ronald Gene Simmons. Let's talk about this weirdo creep, whatever you may call him. You'll, I'll let you make up your mind what he is once you hear the story. But Ronald G. Simmons was born on July 15, 1940, in Chicago, Illinois, to Loretta and William Simmons. On August, on January 31, 1943, William Simmons died of a stroke within a year. Simmons' mother remarried. This time to another William, but William D. Griffin, a civil engineer, civil engineer for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. In 1946, the Corps moved moved the Griffins to Little Rock, Arkansas, the first of several transfers that would take the family across central Arkansas for over the next decade. On September 15, 1957, Simmons dropped out of school and joined the U U.S. Navy, which reading this was always baffled me because now it seems like a little, back then it seems like a lot harder. It was really easy. You drop out of school, they were just taking anybody. But then again, this was on the build of the Vietnam War, and they did accept me in the Army, even though I was 35 years old. There's more to it, but I'm not going to go into it. And let's back to this story and was first stationed at Naval Station Bremerton Bremerton in Washington, also in San Diego, where he met Rebecca Uberry. People just called her Becky, though, who he, whom he married in New Mexico on July 9, 1960. Over the next 19 years, the couple had several children. In 1963, Simmons left the Navy, apparently two years later, joined the Air Force. During his 20-year military career, Simmons was awarded a Bronze Star Medal, the Republic of Vietnam Gallantry Cross for his services as an airman, and the Air Force Ribbon for excellent marksmanship. Simmons retired from the Air Force and military service and his military service was November 30th, 1979, with the rank of Master Sergeant moving to New Mexico. So let's talk a little bit about his wife. His wife, Becky, her parents was Manuel Uberry Sr., Liddy Mae Barnum. I wonder if she was related to the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Who knows? But her mom, Lindy, died in 2001, but records show that her, her father is still alive 2000, in 1905. Unless they updated the record, he's pretty old. That would make him 115 years old. So I don't think, I mean, if it's correct, that's, I need to figure out what he's eating. <laughs> but she was born 1939 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, 1957, she moved to Walsenburg, Colorado, and then 1958 is where she moved to San Diego and where she met Mr. Gene Simmons, or Ronald Gene Simmons. This is the bad Gene Simmons. She moved her family's, well, where she moved from her family's cattle ranch in Walsenburg, Colorado to San Diego, California, 1958. And that's where she met Ronald Gene Simmons in San Diego, where he was 
enlisted in the United States Navy at the time. And of course, the two was married in Rat, New Mexico in 1960. Married, and you'll see maybe that move was not to her best interest once we get into it. And during this time, she gave birth to many kids. Less her birth was, of course, Ronald G. Simmons was born was was born in 1962, age 23. So Ron James Jr. Okay, my I, I had to edit it. No, here's the name of the kids. Let's list first child of Ronald Gene Simmons Jr. was born 1962 in Birchberry, Uberry. Two, well, you know who they're married to. I don't think you named the parents. Married Ronald Gene married Wilma Sue Pitts on February 28th, which is my daughter's birthday, 1984, when he was 22 years old. Which, if you want a little bit normal, a little bit, yeah, why can't I talk? In a long day. <laughs> Wilma Sue Pitt, she was born 1965, birth February 16, 1965, in Bradford, Indiana. Unfortunately, she had passed away in Magnolia, Texas, which is not too far from where I live at, in January 17, 2000. But during this time they were married, they had a daughter named Barbara. She was born in October 1984. But unfortunately, they had passed, uh, they not passed away, they had divorced Ronald G. Simmons and was divorced on May 7th, 1987 in Baxter, Texas after three years of marriage when he was 25. But as you'll see later on the story, maybe that was, you know, I don't know, I don't encourage separation divorce. I like to see work and I've been Coming this May, I've been with my wife 20 years. I couldn't, I don't think I could live my life without her. But I don't encourage, but in this circumstances, it probably saved her life and gave her some little more years. Her second child was Sheila Marie Simmons. She will definitely play a big part in the story later on. She was born in 1963. Her education, she went to New Mexico Caulfield High School, birth of a daughter, Sylvia Gail Simmons, which remember that person. And later on, she had a husband, Raymond McNulty, and had a son with Mr. James McNulty on March 6, or 1986, March 6, 1986. Oh, the daughter was born June 17, 1981. Third child was William Henry Simmons II. He was born in 1965. January 25th, 1965, in Hampton, Virginia. This is when he was moving around with the Air Force, the base, the base, the base. He got married in Russellville, Arkansas, to Renetta Lynn, who was born February 6, 1966, in Little Rock, Arkansas. They had a son, William Henry Simmons, on April 8th, 1986. If you're wondering why I'm breaking all this down, all the kids, I've listened to one of the things I do with podcasts is when I research them, I try to find other podcasts. I listen to them all and trying to figure out what, you know, what they all have in common and then go with that and take away what their differences in it. And then I'll research and if everything that collaborates with the podcast says with the information that I research, then I'll go with that. And one of the things I've noticed about the podcast, they really don't go in depth about the people. And that's why I really want to do this about all the children. So the fourth child, Loretta Simmons, in 1970, she was born July 26, 1970. 
and there's really not much to talk about her and you'll soon see why. Edie Simmons it was their fifth child born 1973. I don't have a date of when he was actually born. The same thing with the sixth child 1976. Marina Simmons 1976 and Rebecca Simmons 1979. So, with for let's talk about Simmons was that in New Mexico. This is once they got out of his out of the Air Force, he had moved to like I said New Mexico. So Simmons was well known in in his town as Cloudcroft, New Mexico. He was someone most people feared. He had a beer in his hand all the time. He had one little room. He would stay in all the time. It was dark and seemed spooky, and it stunk said a friend of his daughter's. Simmons cut off his wife from his family, from her family after marriage. He seduced him for like 15 years. And this is when, you know, I heard different things about it in different places where after all the seven kids, she started having issues with where she couldn't have, it would, she was having issues giving birth. So what she did was, and I know myself, I've had a bisectomy. And it's easier for a bisectomy, so she asked Gene to have one, Ronald to have one. And with the type of person he was, I guess he thought since he couldn't spread his seed, that he would not, he wouldn't be the man. So he refused. So she ended up just going ahead and having the mass surgery herself, so she couldn't have no more kids. But then that did not stop him. So after, since he could not bear no kids with his wife, Simmons cut off. Cut, you know, cut his wife off from her family, like I told you. Then he started, remember the, the daughter I told you, Sheila? He started seducing Sheila, and that's where he bore the, her, the, first, the first daughter I told you about, Sylvia Gale, 91. The teenager refused to press charges on it. He secluded his wife. He cut her off from all of us, one, one of her brothers says. And now he's gone crazy, Rebecca's sister said. He censored her mail. He wouldn't let her have a telephone. He stood there, even on all phone calls, he was right there paying attention. One brother, Abby Yulberry, said his sister's situation worsened after Simmons impregnated his daughter early in the 1980s. Getting the daughter pregnant started all the bad things clicking, Yulberry said. He stated, he started secluding, this is all him talking my sister and kept her from us. He didn't, didn't want anything to do with our family. He got violent. So, Stephen K. Sanders of Almarego, New Mexico, the district attorney in the city when Simmons lived nearby, says Simmons' guilt of the incest charge was indisputable. He said authorities learned of it from two sources. From Simmons Jr., who informed local social services agencies, social service agencies, and for friends of the daughter at Clawford High School, who that's why I mentioned the high school. A lot of her friends was talking about this, who had told, who were told by her daughter. The daughter, Sheila McNally, was observed pregnant when she came in to the authorities' attention. He said. We had a lot of trouble prosecuting the case because the daughter refused to testify against his father, against her father before the grand jury. We actually had to threaten her with a contempt of court citation. Eventually, she did testify, and Simmons was indicted. 
and this is from the, like I said, from the district attorney. They wanted to press charges against him for this, but she was scared of him. Because like I said, he had like an over-dominant power over him. Finally, they threatened It's like, if you don't press charges, we are going to get you for indictment. So, the incest indictment was returned against Simmons in August 1981, but when deputies went to serve the arrest warrant, the entire Simmons family was gone. And as later learned, had moved to Arkansas. Simmons' name was filed with the National FBI computer, but Simmons stayed out of trouble and never surfaced with law enforcement law enforcement agencies during this, the years his name remained on the computer. Yulberry said family members tried to get Becky to divorce Simmons, but she refused. Instead, she and the children moved with Simmons from New Mexico to Russellville, which was the truck stop that I've talked about. Nes nearby, Nes Nesby said a sister who kept in touch with Becky, most of the, you know, for the most part, was Viola O'Shields of a of Fort Payne, Alabama, reached in Alabama. Let me back to these crazy notes that I got. <laughs> okay, O'Shields told Rocky Mountain News that the family didn't trust Simmons because he seemed to get stranger over the years. And I, I do believe maybe he, because he got his daughter with the log on file, he really started worrying about it. We had discussed if anything ever happened to her, I would take the children, O'Shield said. She, Becky, was afraid he would be violent. So almost, so the, almost a year later, they had resurfaced in Dover, which is not too far from Russellville some 50 miles outside of the town in a remote, densely wooded area. At the end of a rutted red clay drive, two old mobile homes were joined together and barricaded like a fortress with cinder blocks and barbed wire. For Simmons and his family, this was his kingdom and he was the king. Simmons called his castle a squalor, Mockingbird Hill. <laughs> the driveway was dotted with several large no trespassing signs the road leading to the home was badly rutted red clay, at times impossible to enter when wet or slick from ice and, from snow and ice. The yard area or area which Simmons' children kept mowed was covered in piles of junk. Simmons claimed to be building materials. For several junk automobiles up on blocks and the various stages of demolition scattered around the home. The home itself was it was just a mess. They had no electricity, no running water, and their kids were always forced to build different cesspools outside to for different porta pots, which will come in play later. So, because of all the different aggravating circumstances that I had mentioned about him being control freak and not letting his anytime they went anywhere, he had to be there. They could not talk on the phone without him monitoring. He really controlled everything. I'm assuming the fear that New Mexico will come back and get them. But on right before, just before Christmas in 1987, everything will go to fucking hell. And we will get into that, let me tell you. So just before Christmas 1987, Russell, Arkansas, Gene Simmons made a conscious decision to kill all the family members of his, all the members of his family. On the morning of the 22nd December, he first bludgeoned and shot his son, Jim, 
and his long-suffering wife Rebecca when he strangled then he strangled his three-year-old daughter Barbara after having a beer Simmons dumped the bodies in the cesspit that I mentioned earlier that he had made his children dig now Simmons sat back and waited the return of his other children which were at school at the time when they arrived off the bus he said that he had presents for them but wanted to give them one at a time first to receive the gifts was his eldest daughter that was living with him at the time because you know the two who got married had moved out already 17 year old Loretta who this is why I really didn't give much from Loretta down and give much too much information about them about what happened this is why you will soon see why I just gave birth 17 year old Loretta who Simmons strangled and held her under the water in a rain barrel the three other children Edie Marain and Becky was dispatched in a similar callous manner around midday on 26th of December the remaining now this is when the rest of the family so he had took all these kids all these members and put them in a cesspit that he had made the kids dig the remaining members of the family arrived for their planned Christmas visit it was to be their last Christmas the first to die was Simmons son Billy and daughter-in-law Renetta both shot dead then his grandson Trace was strangled and drowned the daughter Sheila remember her and her husband Dennis McNulty was shot Simmons and then Ron Jimmins child by his daughter the oldest the girl Christine Silver Sylvia Gale was strangled and finally grandson Michael Simmons laid the bodies of the his whole family in neat rows in the lounge all the corpses was covered with coats except that of Sheila who was laid in the state covered by Mr. Simmons' best tablecloths. The bodies of the two grandsons were wrapped in plastic sheetings and left in abandoned cars at the end of the lane. So they were, I guess he, you know, I've, I've always wondered why he took the kids. Maybe he just felt horrible about the kids. I don't know. And did not want to be around them because after all this, he just hung around. I guess he didn't want to see the kids. It was okay for his, his kids, but not kids. So after popping open, Popping out for a drink at a local bar. Yes, I said that. He he headed out Simmons to a bar and have a few drinks like nothing happened. Simmons returned to the house and apparently obvious to all the corpse line up around him. Spent the next two nights and Sunday drinking beer and watching television. Was on Monday morning, Simmons drove into Russellville. And I didn't mention this. During this time, he had a lot of low-end paying jobs and whatnot. And he actually tried to hook up with this one woman at a law office, which re rejected him. And different jobs where he thought he, for a lot of it had to do with sexual, uh, you know, um, a, not assault, but uh, not abuse. What am I looking for? Probably, a, you know, just he was being weird around all his coworkers. I don't know why my mind went blank. I did all these classes in the Army. But on Monday, around humans drove into Russellville at a law office, shot dead a young woman named Kathy Kendrick, who for some reason he blamed for many of his problems. Next stop on his murderer's tour was at an oil company office where Simmons shot dead a man named J.D. Chaffin and wounded him, John Davis, I think his name is. He then drove to a store where he shot and wounded two more people. Now on the other, now 
on to the, another office where he shot and wounded a woman, and that was the end of his killing spree. Simmons simply sat in the office, chatted with one of the secretaries while waiting for the police. He told the police, told her to call the police, and sat down and put the gun down and waited. When they arrived, he handed over the gun and surrendered without any resistance. Of course, they wanted to look more into the situation, so they went back and looked at his family, trying to figure out what was going on there. You know, I didn't read anything where he admitted to it, but he, they wanted to look at it because with all this murder, they wanted to make sure that his family was okay. Where they did find the grizzly scene, and for some reason, they also saw when the bodies that was in the cesspool that the bodies were soaked in kerosene. He would later say that he believed that it would stop the smell of coming out of the ground and attracting animals and people. So let's talk a little bit about these people that he back Catherine Michelle Gribbins. She was born nineteen sixty three. Of course she passed away in nineteen eighty seven. She was born May fourth, nineteen sixty three in Jacksonville, Arkansas, death December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty seven. Two parents John Paul Gribbins and Miranda M. Gribbins, which both have passed away. John passed away in two thousand six and Miranda passed away in two thousand seven. She, I have not seen, she was not, uh, let me see, Catherine lived in Johnsboro, Arkansas, where she was married to Ronald D. Kendrick. So she was married, and the James J.D., like I said, da James David Chaffron, was born 1954, where he passed away March 22nd, 1954, in, it don't, I cannot find, just everything I says, it says in, in the United States but this poor woman his poor mom when James when David James David Chaffin was born on March 22 22nd 1954 in the USA his father Samuel was 41 and his mother Clara was 33 he had two children with he died as a young father on December 28 1987 Russell Russellville Arkansas at the age of 33 and was buried in Dover Arkansas but his father Samuel Franklin passed away July 21st, 1978 in Nashville, Missouri at the age of 65. So this happened not too far, you know, right before this happened. So she was probably just, you may begin, I don't think you ever get over the death of a spouse. But if, I mean, it's been almost, it was like 10 years. She's probably still, but she's probably getting in a comfortable zone. Then her son died, poor woman. And... Let me see where she, she ended up passing away in 95. So Simmons was sent to the Arkansas State Hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas for a competency evaluation by staff psychiatrist, Dr. Irving Keel. Keel found Simmons to be sane and capable of standing trial. Robert E. Doc Irwin and John Harris were appointed by the court to represent Simmons, his two lawyers. The prosecuting attorneys was John Brynham. Jury selection for the first trial took less than six hours. Simmons was, was convicted on May 12, 1988 in the Franklin County Circuit Court for the deaths of Kendrick and Chaffin. On May 16th, Judge John Samuel Patterson sentenced Simmons to be gone with you, sir, asshole, whatever, piece of shit death penalty by lethal ejection plus 147 years if the drug don't work Simmons refused all rights to appeal 
So Simmons was found guilty for 14 counts of capital murder in the deaths of his family on February 10, 1989 in the Johnson County Circuit Court. The judge, Patterson presiding, Brynham offered a possible motive when he presented an undated note that was discovered in a safe deposit box in Russellfield Bank after Simmons' arrest. The later seemed to indict a strong love-hate relationship between Simmons and his daughter, Sheila. After the judge ruled the letter admissible, Simmons freaked the fuck out. Sim Simmons lashed out at Brynham, punching him in the face, and then unsuccessfully struggling for the deputy's handgun. Officers rushed him out of the courtroom in chains. Simmons was sentenced again, be gone with you asshole, to death by lethal ejection on March 16, 1981. He again waived all rights of appeal. A reporter Ann Jensen conducted a series of interviews with Simmons in February and March of 1989. On March 1st, 1989, Simmons was found competent to waive his rights to appeal his conviction. However, the filing of the Whitmore versus Arkansas challenged this right. Reverend Lewis Franks and Johannes Whitmore conducted that Simmons using his right to refuse appeal in fact jeopardized the applying rights of other death row inmates. But by 72 vote, the Supreme Court justice threw this appeal out. However, the ongoing legal proceedings had prevented the execution of Simmons being for being carried out. Simmons was watching television and eating, though he thought it would be his last meal when the news of his stay of execution was announced. So he thought he was going to get dead. And during this time, they actually had to remove him from this facility because a lot of inmates was threatening his life. They're like, how this asshole is, you know, not appealing his death sentence, making us all look like shit, and it might affect us. We might, it might affect our appeals. But on May 31st, 1990, Governor Bill Clinton signed Simmons' second execution warrant for June 25th, 1990. This was the quickest sentence to execution death time in United States history since the death penalty was reinstated in 1976. Simmons refused all visitors, including legal counsel and clergy. His last words was, justice delayed, finally be done as justice, justifiable homicide. Of course, nobody, no family members claimed his body, so the Simmons was buried in the pauper's plot at a Lincoln Memorial's lawn in Lincoln County, Varna, Lincoln County. One thing that he also said during this all was, that I think after hearing this, I would have gave him life. He said life in prison was, you know, un, you know, harsh and cruel punishment to him. But anyhow, he killed his whole family. That's what he gets. Simmons was charged with 16 counts of murder, found guilty and sentenced to death. He refused to appeal, of course, to those who opposed the death penalty in the particular, my particular case. And like I said, I, I said it before I read my notes. <laughs> He said, to those who oppose the death penalty, in my particular case, anything short of death will be cruel and unusual punishment. So, in fact, he was the first person in Arkansas to be killed by lethal injection. So, yes, that's the story of the crazy man who killed his family, Ron Gene Simmons, which it, I think and I believe that all went to shit once he started messing with his daughter.
And if you, I, I know you don't like the story, but if you like to tell the story and did not know that, please go to Apple iTunes and review me. Five stars would be great. Try to build this up so I can get better equipment through sponsorship. Or, or if you want to not hear no sponsorships, you always have Patreon, which is Truck Stop Murder. And PayPal, if you could also PayPal me if you don't want to get tied up. I, I paused for a second. I got sidetracked. But any Patreon... But if you don't want to go with the monthly title monthly things, you can always PayPal me or buy me a cup of coffee.com at Truck Stop Murder. And also you can follow me at social medias at Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Podcast on Facebook, which I have a private group now. I've changed it to private. Somebody kept going on there trying to sell Bitcoin. Or Truck Stop Murder on Instagram and Truck Murder on Twitter. And if you want to email me direct, it's truckstopmurder at gmail.com. And I'm always looking for some kind of interaction with anybody listening to this. I have not gotten none yet. I got one about a year ago tell me that I was an asshole, didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. And when I showed her that I did know, backed up with proof and documentation, I never heard back from her again. But anyhow, if you got made it this far from my mushmouthness, thank you. And as always, and I always say, you can't fix stupid. But you could sure numb it with the two by four. I am out of here. Uh, uh.